Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 129. I'm your host, James Shotwell. It's great to be with you again. My guest in this episode is John O'Denier, former drummer for the Swellers and member of Baggage and Braided Veins. John O has been on the show before. About two years ago, he came on to discuss a compilation he and I had created together called Not Safe to Drink, which was intended to benefit those affected by the Flint water crisis. The national media may have moved on, but Flint is still very much in need, and John O is back with a new project, Hope, a comic book to help Flint, Michigan. In this comic, Jono and his friends, a group of musicians and other people from his region, create five stories, an anthology of stories that all are meant to inspire or fill you with a sense of hope. It's a gorgeous comic book filled with different styles, both in writing and in terms of artwork, and it goes to a great cause. Every issue of hope goes to benefit The Compass, a program of Michigan Community Services. And I I don't usually get hung up on all the details because we do discuss it in the show, but this is such an important thing that I want to tell you about it. What The Compass does is provide training and job skills for people with mental illness and or developmental disabilities. They are also advocates and a voice for that part of the community because those with mental or developmental disabilities are quite often not able to vote and not huge consumers. Therefore, they are overlooked by culture and society as a whole. The Compass exists to make sure that nobody is falling through the cracks, and they and need funding to do that, which is where people like Jono and projects like this comic book entitled Hope come into play. We all, know things, we all know charities like the Red Cross, these giant organizations that receive funding from all over the globe and they're everywhere at once, but there are many, many smaller, regional, even local charitable organizations who are trying to help communities just like yours that are in desperate need of funding. In order to do what they want to do and help as many people as need help, a need that is growing in almost every sector all the time. As the, commu- as the population of our world grows, there's always going to be more in need of help. And thankfully, there are people like Jono who recognize that they have the ability to make a difference. They give a damn and therefore they put action into their thoughts and feelings. It's really remarkable and he's on the show today to discuss it. But for those of you who are like, that has very little to do with music, I'll tell you that there's also some conversation about baggage. We talk about braided veins. We talk about all that stuff that you would also want to hear from Jono. But this is really an episode to talk about creativity and the power of art, not only to make you feel better and help you process things that you're struggling with, but to bring a community together and to empower people to make their community at large a better place for everyone to enjoy. I don't mean to get too heady with this introduction, but this is a really special thing that Jono is doing, and, I, and I'm proud to be a part of it. And let me tell you something very embarrassing. The conversation you're about to hear is the second one that we've had on this topic. About a week ago, I drove all the way to Flint, my first trip to Flint, Michigan ever, because I kind of wanted to be, I wanted to be there. I'd never been there before. I'd worked on this compilation with Jono a few years ago, and I, I have friends from the area. I'd never been there. It was a beautiful city. I went to the uh, Flint Institute of Art. It's a gorgeous gorgeous museum. I had some coffee downtown at, I believe, Foster's Coffee Company, and we had a great time. And I took my traveling recording setup in hopes of getting the best possible quality. And wouldn't you know it, unbeknownst to me at the time of recording, one of my two microphones was shorted out. So I tried to recover the conversation over the course of a series of days because we'd spent over an hour talking. And our one of Jono's friends, Sam, who we mentioned in the podcast was also there present for the recording and I didn't want to cut him out of the show, but the recording got so garbled that I had to trash it and John and I had to start over. So my idea is this, I'm going to run 129 today and over the weekend, 
I'm going to post 129.5, which will be the recoverable audio of the conversation that John and I had in Flint. And it's not perfect, but there are some really good moments that stayed. And I, I would really like to share it with you because we talk about a lot of things in detail that we only kind of cover briefly here. And we also get into a bunch of other topics that I think fans of his various music projects, his uh, touring with bands like the early November or maybe the upcoming anniversary of some of the big swellers releases. We get into all that as well, but it's it got lost in the mess. And thankfully, thankfully John, is a very understanding person who's willing to hop on the phone with me and record this again. And he actually picked the introduction song, but before we get there, I do have to tell you a couple of quick updates. For starters, this episode of Inside Music and all episodes of Inside Music are brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading digital promotional distribution company. And what that means is that Holix works with record labels, management, publicists, and independent artists from all over the world to share new and unreleased music with other industry influencers without fear of piracy. To learn how they do this and gain access to a free 30-day trial, visit holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. You should also know that every episode of Inside Music is slowly being added to YouTube. Starting with 128, all new episodes are already available there, including the one you're listening to right now. So if you're at work and you're unable to plug in your favorite podcast uh, app on your phone, you can pull up YouTube, hopefully, and discreetly stream the show in the background if you need to. Also, I encourage you to subscribe. I'll have all the channel information to you on a future episode. And there's a whole reason for that, but we'll get into that later. Anyways, and finally... I want you to follow us on Twitter. The show is at Inside Music Pod or at Inside Music Pod. Actually, that's not finally. The very last thing is that you need to buy this comic book. Even if you don't love comics, there's somebody in your life who appreciates good art, and this book is filled with good art and wonderful stories. So buy it for them and buy it to support the Compass because they are supporting people who need help. And I, and I think we're all able to give more than we do most of the time. We all we all like to think of ourselves as good people who put our hand out there and help others in need. And this is an opportunity to do that. And you even get something in return for very little effort, just for a couple of bucks. So listen to what Jono has to say. Visit the website that he mentions at the end of the show. Pick up a copy of this comic book. And get out there and do something to help the community around you. Now I'm going to play a baggage song that's chosen by Jono that he'll plug in the show as well. And then we're going to get to the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show.
you know, thank you for taking the time to be on the show again. Oh, it's all good. Um, so we're here to discuss your new project. A couple of years ago, you and I partnered the last time you were on the show, episode, I want to say it's like 87 or 88, you were on the show to discuss um, uh, Not Safe to Drink, a compilation for Flint, Michigan that you and I worked on together that's still available on Bandcamp and, uh, yeah, Bandcamp. And uh, that was a pretty fun charity project to be a part of with you. And now you have a new project going on, it's, but it has, uh, it's not necessarily a music project. So why don't you give us the, give us the full pitch? Sure. So uh, it all kind of started with a bunch of our friends. Um, a lot of us have really been into comics lately. Um, a lot of our friends are into writing, whether it's like for a theater or just short stories. And then the illustrator friends we have are just amazing graphic designers and all that stuff. And I've been kind of just watching these people working these jobs that they don't really like. And everyone's just kind of in this funk all the time. And I was just sitting there one day and I was kind of pondering i'm like i need to find a way i want to do a comic but i want to do a short comic and then i don't know what happened but i was like looking at my bookshelf and there's um a comp or an anthology comic called love is love and uh that was to help uh the pulse shooting victims and all the stuff that went on with that so it's just about uh it's a comic with tons of stories from like major people and all of the stories were just explaining what love is and like a positive spin on that. Uh, so, so all these ideas started just coming into my head and I was like, well, nothing in Flint has really changed. And I have some of the most creative people I know that are kind of just looking for some kind of, not like light at the end of the tunnel, but just like something to like spark their interest and make them want to work and finish something, you know, cause we've all kind of been like burned by our like respective industries and all that. Um, so I just got everyone in a group together. I got five writers, five artists. And I said, Hey, we're going to do a comic together. We're each going to do, we're going to pair off. We're going to do five pages of a story in our group. And then we're going to make a 25 page anthology comic and I was like, I want this to be for Flint. And I think the most positive thing we could do is hope, which is something that people have been talking about a lot because something the world needs a lot. So other than just the message itself, um, I wanted to, like we did with Not Safe to Drink, uh, find a nonprofit or charity that was underfunded specifically that we can help because it gets sticky for a lot of people when you see like, like, for example, like there's like Goodwill and Salvation Army and there's these things that people will donate to, but then it'll come out that there's some negative things about it and you feel strange aligning yourself with that. Uh, and then on the other side, we didn't want to give money because if it's going to be like a few grand or whatever it will be, um, we don't want to just throw that in like a warehouse full of money that someone else already has. And I know that people in Flint specifically are really struggling. So i just posted on Facebook one day, my buddy Marvin explained that he works for the compass, which is, and I've said it a million times by now, but it's a program of Michigan community services, Inc. And it helps adults with developmental and learning disabilities. And it kind of helps reintegrate them into society because they can't vote and they can't really hold a standard job. Um, and there's people on different levels of that. So my buddy Marvin was saying like, Hey, this is really underfunded and we would love help. So I talked to him about it and I got to check the place out and we were like, this is it. So 
with all of that being said, hope a comic for Flint, all of the money is going to the compass, which is a really good cause. And then on top of that, a publisher called source point press from Michigan, they actually do a lot of really awesome comic stuff. Um, they picked up the comic. So our initial run is going to be 500, which is like our DIY, like we're selling it ourselves we're doing our own mail order for our big release show, all that stuff. And then they're actually going to solicit it to uh, comic shops all over the country, which is going to be super exciting. So not only is this all of our first physical comic, it's going to be all of our first published comic and potentially in stores everywhere. Now, every, uh, is everyone involved also a part of the music scene or is that just a good portion of you? Um, all of us know each other through music. So, um, do you want I, to I think pretty much everyone at some point was in that or like, for example, uh, Miranda, who is the artist of one of the stories, uh, from working at Starbucks, I worked with one of my friends and that's, uh, his wife. So like, but we are all in the same group of friends because like me and Sam were friends through music. And then we met, you know, like it's, it's all intertwined that way, but like all of us are like going to shows or doing creative stuff. So the majority of the people are like directly music industry and music scene related. Do you want to plug everyone's like uh, respective projects? I know you guys have a, not to jump ahead in our conversation, but there is a release show celebration coming up here on the first in Flint, Michigan, that involves all of the writers actually, or at least people involved in the comic are also performing or some of them are. So do you want to maybe uh, just make, take a second and plug all those people since Sam's not here to be our other voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, opening the show is a band called the dead serious. Uh, our friend, Rob Anthony, um, he is the writer of a story. And then the artist of that story is in the next band, which is called the Apology Tour. Uh, it's Michelle Lukasik. She's an amazing graphic designer. She's helped my band baggage with a bunch of stuff. She's, I mean, also in the Apology Tour with my brother, who was the singer of the Swellers with me. So that's another like big tie-in. Uh, and then Baggage, which is my band, is playing third. And then Copenaconic. Uh, it has Sam, who is playing bass in that, and then the singer, Jesse, actually did the cover of Hope a Comic for Flint. So all of the, already that's five people involved with it. And then the people that can't be there, uh, Craig Horky, who did the art for my comic, who's an amazing like poster artist, does tons of designs for bands. Uh, pretty much any band you've ever loved, he's probably worked with them in one way or another. Uh, he is going to be on a road trip, like the whole U.S., like riding his motorcycle like a badass. So him and then Katie Spangler, who is an amazing tattoo artist, uh, she does stuff in Ferndale at Future Laser Tiger, which is the coolest tattoo shop name ever. Um, both of them are going to be gone, but we have their art and we'll be selling that. So not only is this a concert it's not just the release of a comic, but we're representing the artists as well. So we're going to have stuff for sale. There's going to be coffee, like, because anything I do has to have coffee in it somehow, as you pointed out. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be like an all, like, it's just a celebration of all creative things to help a good cause. I actually was wondering uh, today if the next project will be uh, a coffee roast. I mean, that's, 
I already have that lined up for like five of the things I'm doing, but <laughs> I know, I know we talked about but it last I, time that like coffee is definitely gonna be tied to things you do in the future, but I was, I don't know why this morning I was just like, we actually had coffee when you and I did this conversation the first time and I never thought to be like, why don't we just do like a hope of roast for Flint or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when, when it, it comes, comes to certain things, like the amount of money that goes into it, like if you're selling a bag of coffee, it'd be like 14 bucks. So, and that's minimum if you're getting like a special roast. Yeah. So that, you know, like the, the margin of actually making money for a cause is kind of different. So with this, for example, um, we sold advertisements to local businesses and bands and that kind of stuff. And even just like friends that wanted an ad. And with that money, that's how we paid for publishing in the first place. So the cool thing is not only did like all of the money that's made from selling the comic will go directly to the charity, which is the first cool thing. Second cool thing is when it gets published officially and it's going to like comic shops all over, all of those ads are going to be seen by people all over the country. So it's not just like, oh, check out, you know, this coffee place from Michigan. It's going to be like, I'm in California. That coffee place looks rad in this advertisement. I'm going to order their stuff, you know, or like I'm going to check out this band that I may never get to see play. But, you know, I could check out their music now that I know it exists. So there's that kind of like cool stuff going on, too. Absolutely, man. And I, I'm happy to hear that it's, I saw a photo of you with it. What was, what was that moment like to like, uh, I don't know, I assume that it came in the mail. So what was it like to open the package and hold your first comic book? Oh, it was awesome. Um, so the first thing that was funny was I'm waiting for UPS to deliver it. And it said there's five crates of them coming because it's 500 copies. So I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I'm home. So like I was out doing errands and I kept coming home and not seeing anything and not seeing like a UPS like sticker on the window and I'm like that's weird and it was like finally 5 p.m I'm like I'm gonna just sit here just in case and then I was like okay it's 5 30 what's going on and I like look out and I see the UPS truck driving away and I'm like are you serious like did they just not and I walk outside and apparently without me hearing it they put all five boxes of it on my uh, front porch and I was like well I'm glad UPS doesn't knock for anything that matters anymore so that's super like relieving uh because if it was raining or something, that would have been five boxes of comics just stuck in the rain or something. Uh, but anyway, on the lighter note, when I like took it out, like the only way, like I have to either describe things based on comics, music, or coffee, <laughs> so I could pick the the music version of this. Um, but it's like the equivalent of listening to a first like finished recording you've ever done, uh, like or like holding like a CD or a record or something like that. So having like the comic and not only was it just like, like even just getting the pages back initially, like when Craig would send me just like the PDFs of like, Hey, how is this looking so far? And I'm like, these ideas that I wrote that came out of my brain are now like an existing thing in reality. Like there's like a tangible thing that I can see. And this is amazing. And like, we've created something like there was no guidebook or rules or anything like that. It just happened. Uh, but then holding the thing was just like, okay, now this is really real because most people don't even like, especially on our level, like people kind of getting into comics, like you don't even get your first published one or a print one potentially ever. Like a lot of people are just doing web comics only, you know, but because not only was it five or 10 of us working on it, we had like this amazing team of people, uh, source point press helped us get it published and you know, all of, all of the work and all of the like months of just whenever I had any free time 
or I would make more free time to do it. Like I was holding that in my hand, you know, it's that like, this is the all encompassing like source of my hard work. So that was super rewarding. I want to talk about your story because uh, you're on the show, obviously, and it would be weird if we discussed someone else's story. Yours opens the comic book. It's called After Ice Cream, and it is drawn by Craig. I want to say it right. Horky? Yep. All right. Craig Horky. Um, can you tell us? Uh, it's weird. Like you said, they're only five-page stories, so I don't want you to spoil it, but you maybe want to give people a little synopsis. Like, give them an idea of what yours is about. Yeah, so uh, all of us, the exciting thing about this comic is all of the art styles are completely different and all of the stories themselves are very different because as individuals working on it, we're all different people, you know? Um, so I wanted to approach Hope from uh, the way I mostly write comics, like I'm working on like a few other things right now. Uh, I try and get my like grounded reality and then my version of almost like people watching and just like looking at society under a microscope. And one of the things that was going on, I was like getting groceries one day and this little kid was like tugging on her. I think it was her mom's sleeve. And she just kept asking questions and asking questions. And it's the thing toddlers always do where it's like, can I get ice cream? Like, no, we can't get ice cream. Why? Well, we didn't have dinner yet. Well, can I have it after dinner? Well, maybe I don't, why, why maybe like, and it's like, that annoying thing where like parents are like, Oh my God, like just they try and shrug it off or whatever. Um, but I started thinking about that because once in a while there's that, like that blissfulness and youth and like kids are curious and they want to learn. And that's really why they're doing it. They're not just trying to be annoying, but as an adult, you just kind of like, you know, brush that kind of stuff off. So my story, I wanted it to be, um, a dad and his daughter, they get ice cream, they're walking home. And on their journeys, they're just seeing things that I see on a daily basis. Like if you're walking in downtown Flint, you're going to see a homeless man. If you're walking in a certain neighborhood, you're, there's going to be a dog barking that looks vicious. Like there's these like normal things. And the girl is just questioning each one. And the dad is kind of doing the same thing where he's like brushing it off and just trying to make like his like simple explanation, just like, you know, get the kid to stop questioning everything. Uh, but then what I wanted to do on the last page was show that there's a benefit to questioning everything. And not only that, but it's like showing that there's so much hope when it comes to young people and like the new generation of people that are, you know, like this new generation of thinkers that are starting to come out of the woodwork, which is just amazing for someone like me to see, because I like me and you are like close in age. And I'm sure you probably think the same thing where you're like, man, like, it's, it's weird that like, you know, we're going to be the last people that are like this, blah, blah, blah. But then you think about it and you're like, with the advances in technology and understanding and society and all that, like, I personally have a lot of hope in that kind of generation and progress and change. And that's what I wanted to do with my story. So even if there are like, it's, there's one specific panel that involves a police officer that I think people will be like, Ooh, that's a, that's a thing to put in a first story in this but it's like such a real thing and it's like brushed off in a way to where, you know, there's no opinion. There's no, my opinion going through the page. You know what I mean? It's like, I've written characters and I've written the situation. It is what it is. So I think it's this nice understanding of like, this is what life is like in Flint. And then from there, it kind of goes into all these different, uh, different directions with the stories that people wrote. 
No, man, I, I, I'm a big fan of your comic. I, I told you that before. My personal one for people that have uh, that are going to pick it up eventually, there's another comic called Number 8 that I tend to be pretty big fan of for the art. I was going to ask you this the other day. I didn't think about this, but when uh, did you did you have you done anything to like keep a panel of the art for yourself? I, I know a lot of writers, and they do their first comic, they like blow up a panel, and they're like, this is now art in my home. Are you going to do anything like that? Um. I never thought about it, but actually... <laughs> You're like, now that <laughs> you put this idea, idea into my head... Well, I just... Especially your comic in particular... Craig has such a... Uh, almost like a poster-ready art style. Where, like, every... If you removed yeah. all the text from every image, you could make it a gig poster. Yeah, like, uh, he did one for us. Um, Braided Veins, one of my bands. We played with a band called Abel Baker Fox. And uh, it's this completely wild poster. But, like, it's uh, it's, like, nine panels, like a comic but you don't look at it as a comic and it just, his style is just so classy. And like, uh, like I always talk about like our explanation of things where, uh, like I'll write this like 10 page thing, like Craig, I'm thinking this stuff and then I could do this and then blah, blah, blah. And down the road, who knows, maybe we can get this. And like, I'm just so like overexcited. And then his response will be hell yeah. And that's it. <laughs> like, like lowercase hell yeah. yeah. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Okay. I wonder if he's actually going to work on it. You know, like I was like questioning every, and then it's one of those things where he's busy doing the work all the time. So he doesn't have a chance to like, at least in text form, you know, like be as crazy as I am with that kind of stuff. But then his work, when you get it back, like you trust him enough to know that he has such a definitive style and he knows how to make things happen. So when I got all the pages back for this one, I was like, Oh my God. Like, like there's like these certain things where like his use of color was really interesting. Um, where each character, like it's just based on color theory. So like each character's dialogue is the clothing that they're wearing. And like, you don't have to think too hard when you're reading the text. Cause sometimes comics have so many like word balloons and that kind of stuff. It's just overwhelming. But with Craig, it just, it's just so much style. You don't have to think about it. So anyway, with that said, uh, James, that's a great idea. Idea, and I'm probably gonna blow up one of the frames. We're gonna get off the phone here, and you're gonna be like, "Google, how do I?" <laughs> um, well, I, I don't want to. We can't let you go without talking music for uh, at least a couple of minutes, real quick. And you are you are in a band, and every time you're on the show, we never talk about your band. So let's go ahead. It is the first ad. Uh, I like that you have the first ad in the magazine as an ad for Baggage. So what's what's new oh, yeah. in the world? Of, what's new in the world of Baggage Band? Um. Baggage is, we are still working super hard on a potential full-length record. Um, it's it's funny from like the outsider's perspective because so many people, they're going to just, they, they look at Instagram and they look at social media and they're like, oh, this band isn't constantly playing shows, isn't constantly doing whatever. But what's really going on is I'm just working as hard as I can writing songs on my own. We get in a room together. We like flesh stuff out. And then we go to the studio, which is Rancho Recordo with Mark Hudson, who does, uh, you know, saves the day against me taking back Sunday. He's just an awesome dude. And his, his style is so rad, especially for what we're doing. Um, he is a, like a firm believer in like no auto tune on the vocals, no editing of, you know, parts like you play what you play and you just have to be good. So it's a lot of like woodshedding, like, to put in that perspective where we'll have an idea for a song, we'll play it 
like in at Jacob's house, our guitarist, and we'll get it as like close as it is, as close as we can get it to like ready. We'll take it to Mark, and then he'll just do this like slow turnaround on his rolling chair and like put his like he does like the thinking pose, and we're like, oh no, the the gears are turning. What's gonna happen? And then we just start like tearing stuff apart, but it's to make stuff like more exciting and to make every part have meaning and that kind of thing. So uh, we're actually just there yesterday. Like I was there for like 12 hours just working on stuff. And it was more so just like arranging a song, getting drum tracks ready to go, that kind of stuff. Uh, But so far we have, I think it's like five or six songs like tracked um, and we're doing it in like a totally different way. So instead of, okay, we have one month to just record 15 songs we're going to just plow away and uh, we're going to do chunks of songs. So whenever we have a song that we think is good enough and ready to go with Mark's home and he's not on tour with against me, or now he's in Laura Jane Grace and the devouring mothers um, we'll go there and we'll just work it out and make it as good as it can be. So the cool thing is we could come back to the recording whenever and we could tweak stuff instead of like, this is the end. Like you have to put it out no matter what. So by the time we do have this full length done, and again, it is taking a while, but it's because we're taking our time on purpose. Um, and then in addition to that, I'm going on tour with the early November uh, in September for a month. And then Chris, our drummer, is going on tour with Shortly. He's doing uh, two months with them. So one of them is with the Wonder Years and the one's with Bomb Jeans, I believe. Uh, so as individuals, we're doing tons of stuff too. But then this winter is when we're going to be like, okay, we have enough ideas ready to go. We're going to finish the full length and then we're going to see what happens from there. And, uh, any other musical projects, Brady and Vane's have anything going on or any other projects you work uh, on? Uh, for Brady and Vane's, we're kind of taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we're normally our, our new model of a band is record songs that kind of like push the boundaries of what we're used to doing. And then we're releasing stuff and it's only for charity because we know like the way our band is set up, we're not going to end up being some huge band and we're not going to like, I mean, we actually can't do full tours anyway. So it's more of like a recording project and then doing cool shows when we can. So right now, because I have like in the next few months, I have uh, September 1st, the big comic release show with baggage. A week after that, I'm on tour with early November for a month. A week after that, I'm doing two shows in Canada with no trigger and then potentially doing like international stuff with them early next year too. So like I have just tons of stuff on my plate, but trying to get like sprinkle in like the comic stuff. And whenever I have downtime, work on that and work on songwriting for baggage. Like that's the ideal situation. And then unfortunately, reality gets in the way sometimes. Uh, before I let you go, real quick, I saw a tweet you, or a series of tweets maybe you put out the other day. I wanted to bring up because I, I know a lot of people who listen to the show probably know you from the band stuff and you've been in music for a long time. But you tweeted the other day that getting to work on this comic and kind of getting into the world of comics really kind of like reignited this passion in you and in a way saved your life. And I was wondering if you could kind of, I don't know, expand on that thought for us a little bit, just for people out there that maybe, I mean, people recognize what industry burnout feels like and creative burnout. So I guess, can you kind of talk about how comics helped you in that way? Yeah. Um, so it's weird because like with the Swellers, we did a lot of cool stuff. Um, and we were constantly touring and we were constantly doing all this stuff like 10 months out of the year. 
And then as time went on, like people started like getting married and having families and like band stuff was just kind of weird. And we were like, whatever, we're going to end it. Um, so we did like the last year of touring, which was like our big, like world tour thing, which was really cool. And like the shows are really awesome. Like all you, all you have to do to have good shows apparently is break up. So that's sweet. Um, but then adjusting to normalcy after that was like a total, are we allowed to swear on this? Yeah, of course. By the way, oh, sweet. So it was a total mind fuck. Um, because I was trying to get used to just like being home and having a steady job. And like my brain is constantly programmed to do stuff. Like I don't just like sitting around cause I kind of freak out. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I have the, or I braided veins already. And then I started baggage and I started filling in for these other bands. And then like, even though I was writing for some music publications and stuff, like stuff has just been getting pretty weird in the industry. Like, especially on the writing side, because not only was I in a band, I was writing about bands and like, you know, like you more than anyone know, like being in that side of it, it's a totally different perspective. So I'm seeing both sides of it there and I'm already like kind of burnt out from like, you know, seeing how many times things are changing and all that. Um, so it got to the point where like I was trying to pitch my own band because baggage doesn't have a booking agent or a manager or a label or anything. And like from my own friends, I was either getting ignored or just like turned down from things. And I'm like, this sucks. And it's like, and these are all the people that would like in a heartbeat, do something for the swellers if we got back together, which we weren't planning on doing. So it's like, okay, so I see how it is. Like that's, that's just the new reality, you know? Um, so with all that being said, like, I just like always like, even like when Swellers were around, we always felt like outsiders, you know, like we didn't fit a certain genre that was blowing up. Like we lived through the metalcore thing with pop punk, like the new 10 variations of it or whatever. Like we were the band that kind of just was us through it. And then everyone else was like playing arenas that used to open for us. So we're like, yeah, that's just, it is what it is. Like good for them, you know, like they're doing the right thing. We're just doing what we liked, you know? Um, so with comic stuff, like it was my, it was finally a hobby that didn't have to do with anything like that. Like there's no preconceived notion about me or preconceived notion about uh, the things I was into. So like Sam from Copenhagen and I, like we've been going to the same comic shop in Flint for the last three years, almost every single Wednesday. And we'll pick up our new comics and we'll read them and we'll talk about them. And then I started a Facebook group. That's all about that kind of stuff. Um, and it was like, Hey, like we're all, like we're not like super in depth in this stuff, but it'd be awesome to like have discussions and whatever. And then from that, like I started meeting more and more people in the world. So like uh, this guy, Matthew Rosenberg, he is a writer for Marvel. Now he does like all of the X-Men books. Uh, he used to own a record label and put out polar bear clubs for stuff, uh, a strike anywhere EP or seven inch or something like that. And then there's people like Patrick Kinlan from uh, self-defense family and he's writing comics and like there's all these people in music that are kind of doing that crossover and i was like oh that's kind of cool and i started thinking about it more and i'm like you don't have to like tour when you do that and you don't have and i was like i could still be exactly as creative as i was but not have to have like the defeat of you know going on like a two-week tour and having it suck and come back and be like well the good news is i don't have any money and the shows are bad but like with comics you can be like well, I wrote something, but I could still work my job. And then I hope like 
it can pay off or whatever, you know? So like having that like safe thing for me outside of music where like, you know, I feel like my brain is just getting like smashed, like into the wall, like on a constant basis where I'm like, all right, I'm going to push for this thing. Oh, someone can't practice or this thing can't happen or whatever. And then it just keeps like adding more time and more time. And like, you know, I'm getting older. So it's like, and, and in theory, I'm still very young, but you know what I mean? Like you, you just see that clock start ticking and you're like, this sucks ass. Like, and I, I just have all these like expectations and social media things I have to keep on blah, 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 blah. But then with comics, it's just like, I kind of want to just sit in a room all day and write. And it's like such an amazing feeling because like I was saying about Craig earlier, like you get your stuff back and you're like, this came out of my brain. Like I, I worked together with someone and I trusted them enough to do their artistic interpretation of what I wrote. And you have this amazing thing and it's like, okay, that's cool. And then on top of it, like the people in the comics community, like I'm again, like new as like a creator in it, but like everyone is so welcoming and so rad. Like there's no weird, like jealousy or like awkward bummer stuff going on. People aren't getting mad at each other. Like, it's just, Hey man, like we're all kind of in the same boat. Hope you do well. And it doesn't matter if you're like a new person or like a Brian Michael Bendis and you're, you know, creating Jessica Jones and writing a new X-Men movie and all that crazy stuff. Like, uh, Rick Remender is another cool guy who he wrote for Marvel for a super long time. And then he started doing all of his own image comics, which is like the big indie and it's all creator owned stuff. So not only does he make a career like creating his own stories that aren't owned by someone else and he gets the money for it, but now his stuff's starting to get picked up for TV and movies. So it's like, he's like transcended this like little niche market. And now he's like, Oh, I'm in television development now. Like I am that dude, but you go back and he was doing like, uh, live in a dive, like fat records, live compilations and stuff or live albums. He was doing the artwork for that. And he was just like a punk dude. So, you know, there's all this like hope for me in that kind of situation where I'm like, I was that hope or I was that like punk person. Like I can actually hope for something and I don't have to like put all my eggs in this basket for comics, but it's that nice, like mental cleanse where I could be like, I don't have to give a shit for once. Like I care. And I'm like, for this comic specifically, like I'm doing as much as I can and it's rewarding because like I got to give uh, like my buddy Marvin and the compass, I gave him a check for 300 bucks and the comics didn't even out yet. Like we're already getting that many pre-orders and like it's helping people, you know what I mean? So this isn't like some like self-sustaining, whatever thing. It's like, I'm getting my creative part out. I'm helping other people. And that's kind of what comics are to me where it's like, you're looking at like a hero, like someone who just does good for other people. And as like cheesy as it sounds, like that's a big influence on who I am. Like ever since like the last band stuff ended, I was like, I think I want to just be a better person. Like I'm a fine person now, but I'm like, there's no reason to not do that, you know? So that that's kind of where it all comes down where music was just this like stressor and it still is, but like, I'm at ease just being part of it and then having for once like a non-music hobby that I can just like turn my brain off for a second and like whether I'm just reading it or in like drawing TV or even just like the community of people on Twitter or whatever like that is the shit that's like saving my life. 
Well, I'm glad that you could be so succinct about it, man. You you know, it's, maybe it's because we've already had this conversation, but you were very prepared to talk today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you for uh, being understanding about everything and for coming back on the show. Can you give us um, the plugs for everything, where to where we can buy the comic book, where we can keep up with you and the band, all that jazz? Yeah, um, so you could pre-order Hope a Comic for Flint at hopeacomicforflint.bigcartel.com. Um, you also have a Facebook, facebook.com slash hope. Sorry, I got a burp coming. I moved the phone away so you didn't have to hear it. Um, great time to plug stuff while I'm burping. Um, our Facebook is facebook.com slash hope a comic for Flint. Uh, you can follow me personally, uh, John O'Diener, J-O-N-O-D-I-E-N-E-R on Instagram and Twitter. And then baggage is baggage band on all the things. Again, thank you so much for being on the show, Jono. I know you have work in like an hour, so I gotta let oh, you yeah. go. But I, uh, I do appreciate you being on. Do you uh, have a have a baggage song by choice you want us to use with this episode? Yeah, let's, let's do, do the song, song "Half Full." Half Full. Okay, everyone, that's the song that plays at the top of the episode, and it'll close out the episode when we hang up here in a second. Thank you again to Jono for being on the show, and yeah, check out the comic book; it's really good. Yeah.